My name is Sharon Swift. I'm one of the pastors here on the Community Life team, um, and I'm really excited to share today's word with you. We've been journeying through the book of Luke and looking at these different songs of Advent, and we started um, with Mary's song, but we moved into Zechariah's song. And you know what's interesting as I'm recapping these is how ordinary these folks were. Luke's gospel features all these very, very ordinary people in their time encountering the divine. And they sing these songs and they raise up these refrains that remark on the extraordinary nature of their encounter. And so we looked at Mary and how she encountered the angel and how she encountered what God was doing even in her cousin Elizabeth. And she brought forth a song that lifted up God. We saw Zechariah out of all these weeks of silence, months of silence, break forth and with song. He was an ordinary person who was encountering God in his midst, at work. And then, of course, the angels were not maybe ordinary, but they sang their song to some very ordinary shepherds, uh, unremarkable people. And so today we're going to look at Luke 2, uh, verse 22, and we'll start there with the song of Simeon, another very ordinary uh, person uh, who had an extraordinary encounter with the divine. If you don't have a Bible with you, um, you can raise your hand and our greeters will make sure you get one. We'll be in Luke 22 through 32. Let's read the word together. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that these accounts of very, very ordinary people were recorded in your book. That ordinary people are exactly who you use and exactly how you write your story in history, God. We ask that you would be with us as we explore this word, illuminate it, bring it alive to us so that we might be transformed to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so 
Given that we're talking about a child being born, I thought it'd be fitting to share a, a story from my pregnancies, one of my two pregnancies. I have two daughters. Uh, the first time I was pregnant, I uh, gained weight everywhere. I mean, I expanded in every direction except height-wise. I did not get taller, but I did kind of, you know, I grew this way and I grew this way and my feet also grew and expanded and I just, I was just a bloated mess. Um, so it was no shock to people that I was pregnant. It was pretty obvious right from the beginning. But uh, the second time around when I was pregnant with Abby, I, I don't know why, but I carried completely differently. Now, I was always told, oh, if you carry differently, it's, it tells you about the gender of the baby. But both girls carried completely differently. So with Abby, everything was forward. I mean, I looked totally normal, except I had this gigantic stomach. I mean, it just, it, it's like I could not get used to having this radius around me that, you know, it's just, I just stuck out in one direction so much. And I mean, I literally would be at work and I would, you know, try to turn to leave a room. And I remember once my belly swiped everything off of my boss's desk. It was like, I mean, I just could not get used to this, you know, I was just different and bigger in only one way. And so um, by the time I was nine months, I mean, it was really, it was quite humorous. Um, you know, it was a, it was a running gag uh, among me and my friends and family. Um, and so it was towards the end, we were, Andrew and I went to the grocery store, we were gonna pick up some things, and I was pushing the cart, I, I like to push the cart, so I was pushing the cart, I don't want you to think he didn't offer, I just like to push the cart, and so I'm pushing the cart, and you know, it's out here, literally, because my stomach is taking up all the rest of the room. So I'm pushing, and I'm going very slowly, as you can imagine, because I have a lot to negotiate. Uh, and so someone behind me, now this particular grocery store had a very narrow lane leading up to the entrance. And so there's like maybe a line, a straight line of people going in and a line of people coming out and there's really no extra room. So you kind of have to file in single file. So I could hear behind me that someone was getting very impatient. Um, this person definitely wanted me to know that I was moving too slow for their taste. Um, you know, I could hear the huffing and the puffing, and you know how you can just sense that agitated energy around you? So I knew, I, but I mean, what, is, what am I gonna do? I mean, this is what it is, right? So I'm just marching along, and finally there's a gap in the other traffic, and so she bursts out to go in front of me, and she stops to look at me, you know, to, to throw me a look, you know, that she is tired of my slow nonsense. And when she does, She's shocked to see, you know, because from behind, you just couldn't tell. I had this huge profile. And so she was like stunned. And she, instead of giving me the look, she went, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> she knew that she had been making a big fuss about it. And so um, I want to show you a picture because I don't know if I've adequately described. And it was such a phenomenon the way I looked that we did take a picture. So here is what I look like just before, this is literally like the day before Abby was born. So I don't look pregnant, but here is my profile. <laughs> I was not exaggerating. <laughs> so you can imagine how shocked she was to go from seeing that to seeing that and realizing just why I was walking so slow and why maybe she should have had a little patience with me. Um, now, I would really like to be very, you know, righteous and indignant and say, you know, she should have known better and she should have been more kind and patient. But 
the reality is I am that woman so many times. And I suspect that I'm not the only one. We are not good at having perspective. You know, we, she didn't have any perspective on what was actually going on with me until she came to another point of view. Um, but we, la we lack perspective in general. Even those of us that live in light of eternity, we lack perspective. And when we do, we lack patience with people. We're just not good at waiting, especially when we're on task. She was on task. She had to get in that grocery store, get through there as quickly as possible, and I'm sure get back to wherever she uh, lived to unload all those, those groceries and do a hundred other things. So she's on task. She's not thinking about that. And that's how we are. We're like that. And we're like that with God in our waiting. We wait poorly. That's the point, right? We wait poorly. We don't have patience. And in our waiting, if we are attentive to the Holy spirit, like Simeon is in this passage, we see God's faithfulness in the most ordinary moments. That's what I want to explore when we look at this passage today, is our poor waiting and what an example Simeon is of that waiting. And that if we can be attentive to the Holy Spirit in our own waiting, we will see God's faithfulness in those most ordinary moments. And so I want to give you a little background before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this story, Luke sets this up by telling us first that Mary is coming into Jerusalem um, for purification and to present her firstborn. Now, I, I won't get into all the details with this, but it, it's important to know that this is probably her first time out in public because um, she has to go after childbirth to be uh, pronounced clean and made clean by the priest. And so she's coming to do that in the, in the right timing. It would be about 40 days after giving birth. And then also, um, she's presenting her firstborn child. And so every firstborn of the, of the womb, whether it was animal or person, had to be presented since Exodus, since the Exodus, since Passover. They had to present their firstborn to the temple as belonging to God. And so that's what they were doing. And I do want to point out that she is bringing a pair of doves or two pigeons. Now, the proper offering is actually a lamb. But when someone can't afford a lamb, there's a provision in the law for a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That's what they're quoting there. And so it's important to know these, Mary and Joseph are not people of means by any stretch of the imagination. They had to give the offering that a poor person would give because that's who they were. They were poor. And so it's important that we know that. Now, the irony, of course, now we know she's presenting the lamb of God in the temple, but she herself can't buy a lamb for the offering. Now, Simeon is our next character that I want to unpack in this story. Now, he could be a priest. In, in a lot of church history, there's a tradition that he might be a priest. He's sometimes portrayed in different um, iconography that he's a priest, but it doesn't say that here. He says it's, he's a man. And so it's possible that he was not a priest. In fact, I'm going to go under the assumption that he wasn't, but we'll address either scenario. Also, um, he's often depicted as being old. Um, 
And that's probably likely because a lot of what we hear from him in this passage is said in the context of him dying and of death. And so there's this idea of the longness of waiting, that he's been waiting. He's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's been looking at this for a long time. The other thing I want to explain to you is this idea of righteousness and being devout. Um, it's easy for us to see those as like the same thing, but in this context, those words have kind of distinct flavors. One righteous is outward. It's this external rightness. It's doing the right thing externally to people, to each other, to the world. And devout is really, has the, has the sort of the fluctuation of being inward. It, it means he, was, he had an inward connection with God. He was right inwardly with God. He was doing the right things within his heart with, for God. He was, had both this external and inward sort of uh, balance, which is so hard to get. But he was doing it. He wasn't doing something external that didn't flow out of an internal knowing of God. The other phrase I want to unpack for you is this phrase, consolation of Israel. This is really just another way of saying the Messiah. He was awaiting the Messiah. Now, the reason they use this phrase, and it was kind of a common phrase at the time, is because they believed that when the Messiah came and set things right, they would be comforted. There would be consolation. They would be a people who were comforted. And so um, they use this phrase interchangeably with the Messiah. So when he's saying he's waiting, when the scripture says he's awaiting the consolation of Israel, he's awaiting the Messiah. And so he is oriented that way, waiting. Now, they've been waiting for hundreds of years, but here he is, waiting, waiting, waiting on this promise. In fact, when you think about it, his life is fairly unremarkable, except for this waiting. That's why he's in this passage, is his waiting. Now, I know that he is not the only person that has been caught, been caught waiting on God for his promises. What promises are you waiting on? Take a moment and really think. What are the promises that you know God has for his people that you've been waiting on? Maybe it's healing for sickness. Maybe you're just waiting for your physical health to get better. Maybe it's a re relationship with a family member. Maybe there's an aunt, an uncle, a child, a parent even, who you are waiting on for God to move and bring healing and restoration to that relationship, to make it whole again, to make it what it should be. Maybe you're waiting on a marriage partner you believe that God has someone for you. You're waiting on that. But it feels like it's hopeless. Maybe your waiting is on breaking free from the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. When is it going to get better, God? This can't be all you have for me. We've all been caught waiting on God for his promises. It's a central part of the Christian life. But Simeon waited well. He waited well. And that's why he's here in the scripture. And we can take encouragement from his life. If we look at verse 25 through 27 here, we see 
this huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him. He was moved by the Spirit. In fact, when you look at this, Simeon's name is barely mentioned. The primary actor in all this is the Holy Spirit. He's the centerpiece of this, not so much Simeon. It's Simeon's ability to watch and wait and be attentive to the Holy Spirit and all the things that the Holy Spirit is doing. That's really the center of this. It's remarkable. He, he is constantly, it seems, aware of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing all throughout this passage and probably throughout all his waiting. That's how he knew how the Spirit was moving. He had cultivated this constant awareness of the Holy Spirit. He was attentive to the Holy Spirit, even in things that could be very ordinary. If he was a priest, even that becomes ordinary. I know that it might be, you might have the illusion that as a pastor, it's easier to be constantly aware of the Holy Spirit, but we're human too. And we can go check into our job and go through the motions if we're not careful ourselves to cultivate that constant awareness that the Holy Spirit is at work. In fact, there's recently on Twitter, there blew up this video of a pastor who was going on sabbatical and he's announcing that he needs this sabbatical because he can't see God at work day to day anymore. He's lost his sense of where the Holy Spirit is moving. And he's, he's practically in tears telling them, I, ne I need this sabbatical because I'm missing it. I am missing God. Just because it's part of our vocation doesn't mean that we can automatically cultivate this awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's something that every Christian has to work on and to constantly foster. And it's hard and it takes our whole lives to refine it and to maintain it. And so this is some of the tension for us is that waiting and cultivating attentiveness in all the ordinary things. I mean, think about Simeon. He's just going about his life day after day, month after month, probably year after year, knowing this promise is coming that he's going to get to see the Messiah before he dies. But in the meantime, he's just waiting, listening, watching, looking for those cues. That's hard for humans, whether you're a priest or whether you're you're just living life as a Christian, trying to remember that the Holy Spirit is at work. It's the same for all of us. And a lot of times, two things happen. Oftentimes, we wait and we lose hope. And that oftentimes means that we decide to do it ourselves. We think God needs some help, you know, and we're losing hope that he's going to see it through. And so we step in. Or we wait and we lose patience and we move on to something else. We stop waiting on the thing that God has for us, and we might even settle for something far less than what he intends for us. I think we've all been there in one of these situations. I mean, in that first one, losing hope, you know, we've sent out resumes and no one responds. Dozens and dozens of resumes and we don't get a call or an email, not even an acknowledgement they got the resume. Or we see a loved one make one poor choice after another, and we start to lose hope that it can change and that God can redeem and make it better. Maybe it's we're forcing, trying to force a relationship to work. And we just know like, oh, if I just, if I just, 
you know, change this way or shift this way. I can make it work. Or we settle for a relationship that is not what God intends for us. Maybe for you it's like me. I love to try to help God in the things that I think God is doing. Um, And so when I was finishing seminary, I felt like it wasn't happening fast enough. And so I kept trying to accelerate, add classes, uh, do different different things to get the credits in, and strategize because I could help God get this done sooner. Well, you know, I worked myself so much that I fainted on a set of stairs, and that's how I got my traumatic brain injury, which I've referred to in the past. I actually slowed myself down for a year almost. I couldn't write, like about eight months. I couldn't type. I couldn't write sentences. They would come out like backward. Uh, The wrong words would come out. So, you know, I had this artificial deadline in my head. Oh, I got to finish by 2018. Well, I fainted and had that brain injury five weeks before graduation. Guess when I finished? 2019. So I didn't rush God at all. I couldn't get it done for him. God's timing was God's timing. Uh, But boy, do I like to step in and try to make that happen um, to no avail. Uh, I ended up just frustrated and and, uh, unable to do anything for a while. Um, But losing patience is my current specialty. Um, I I have to tell you that in preparing for this, this is where God really got me. Um, So in that time when I had this brain injury, I couldn't drive. I wasn't cleared to drive for a year, and there were certain reasons for that. So during that year, people were helping give rides for our kids, different places, give me rides places. I couldn't drive. Public transit is not that great where I am. And so I remember... telling myself this lovely story that, you know, when I can drive again, I'm going to be so glad to take these kids everywhere. I'm going to give all these people, all these uh, adults, give their kids rides. I'm going to say, come on in. I'll take you anywhere. Okay. That lasted a month. Okay. (laughs) And it was not long before I was grumpy and cranky about driving kids. I'd go to pick up my daughter and three other people are coming out and I'm like, oh, It did not last very long because I am not like Simeon. I fail daily, usually multiple times a day. Um, And what I miss is God at work when I do that. I miss the fact that in all those little conversations in the car, in a hundred ordinary moments, God is writing the story of my children's lives and I get to witness him fulfilling his promises in a hundred small ways. There's no, the car doesn't light up. There's no epic meeting of the holy and divine, you know? We're just driving along talking about what's on the radio or talking about what happened in their day. But that's where God writes his stories. That's where God writes the stories of all of us and his larger story in our lives. In a hundred, in a thousand, in a million ordinary moments not in just the big epic ones. And so Simeon, I feel like he got that. He was so attentive in those moments. And that's what what gets me. When we cultivate an attentiveness to the Holy Spirit like Simeon did in the ordinary, in the daily, in the routine, the mundane tasks of daily life, we will also witness God fulfilling his promises. That's the blessing in those hundred ordinary moments. In fact, 
we get to participate in that story that God is writing all around us in the lives of our, even our own lives, but in the lives of others. That's what Simeon got. I mean, I get to participate in my daughter's lives because I'm present. I'm with them. And I am aware that the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives and shaping and molding them. And I get a front row seat if I choose to be attentive. And so it's the same with Simeon. Jesus was in the world. Jesus was already set on his course. God had set things in motion. But Simeon gets to be part of that story because he was attentive to the things that God was doing, what the Holy Spirit was doing. But let me be real with you. I am not as faithful as Simeon. I've got to emphasize this. And I suspect I'm not the only one here. I don't maintain that attentiveness. But when he did it, he got to be part of Jesus' big story of what he was doing in the world. In his small way, Simeon was a part of that. After this song that he sings, he blesses Mary and Joseph. He gets to do that. He gets to be recorded in history now for his faith because he was faithful in these small little things of waiting on the Holy Spirit, of being attentive in the ordinary. And then we see that it culminates in him seeing God's promise fulfilled. And it culminates in this song of praise. He bursts forth with a song. He takes Jesus in his arms and praises God. I mean, that's the response to a, a God that keeps his promises. To a God that fulfills the things that he says he's going to do. That's the beauty, is, is, is being able to take that attentiveness and see the promises fulfilled and turn it into praise. It's incredible. Here he is praising God to, for, the, for keeping promises, for being faithful, for seeing through on the things that he said he would do, on letting him participate in the things that he's doing in the earth. Of not only keeping his promise to Simeon, but to keep his promise to Israel as a nation and to expand that promise to the whole world. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so I have to ask, where are you today in this waiting? We've all been in that seat of waiting. Have you been that person that's lost hope? You're, you've waited, you've, you've tried to stop and hold on, but you've stopped believing that God will keep his promises to you, that he is enough, that he can sustain you in the waiting that he is good even in the waiting, that he is writing your story even in the waiting? Have you settled for an imitation of what you think God wants instead of waiting on the real thing? Or perhaps you've lost patience with the waiting. You've lost focus. You've said, I'm tired of the ordinary. I'm tired of the waiting. I'm ready to move to the next thing. I've given God enough time. I'm running out of runway. I got to do something. Well, I have good news for you. Because if you're out of patience and if you're out of hope, it's okay. Because God is still faithful. And that's the beauty of Simeon's song. 
is it celebrates that God is faithful even when we are not. He is faithful even when we don't perceive that he's at work. He is faithful even when we can't hold our focus long enough to see, see it unfolding. He's faithful even when we don't measure up, when we can't be like Simeon, when we don't have that balance of the inward and outward life, he's still faithful. And so there's hope for all of us who are waiting, even when we feel we've lost hope. We are invited to remember God's faithfulness in Jesus' birth and in his coming, that God is a God that keeps promises and that he's coming back. He wouldn't have sent Jesus except to keep his promise that he will also return, that he will come back for us and he will set all things right and he will make all things new. That is the promise and he is faithful to keep it. Now you remember how I said earlier that uh, the primary actor in Simeon's story is really the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned so many times in just a couple of sentences, and I want to encourage you, if you're someone that has lost hope, if you are someone that has lost patience, if you're struggling to walk this walk of faith in a season of waiting, I want to encourage you that just like Simeon, whether you feel you're as faithful as him or not, the Holy Spirit is still that primary actor in your life. He is still at work in you and around you. Even when you can't see it, even when it's hard for you to be attentive to the fact that it's unfolding, he is at work. And all it takes is that moment to turn back and cultivate that sense of attentiveness. God, where are you at work? And he will show himself. He will reveal himself because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our helper. And so I want you to take comfort today. That you can trust that God's promises are real and that his faithfulness is there for you even when you can't see it. When you can't know it in the way you want to know it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you know. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who is present in all our waiting. And even when we wait imperfectly, even when we lose our patience, even when we lose our focus, even when we don't believe you're at work, God, you are still at work. Holy Spirit, help us to have ears to hear what you're doing, eyes to see it, spirits that are attentive in the ordinary, mundane, day-to-day life. God, even as we go to and fro and we have to do things to prepare for Christmas and we're trying to get out of work early or get to the mall or get to here and cook this and clean that and wrap this, God, help us even in those moments to be attentive to you, to turn to you, to remember that we're still waiting on you, that you are present, that you are at work, And that we can see your promises be fulfilled if we lift our eyes up. Help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you. I forgot to tell the worship team to come up. (laughs) No, I can't. It's sinner, wait no more. Sinner ain't no more Love and
God for Pastor Sharon who taught us today. Let's have our prayer team come to my left, invite those offering the bread and the cup to come to my right. Advent is the good news that reminds us that even though we are not faithful in our waiting, God is faithful in his coming. And that's good news. 
For some of us, we have seasons like we're like Simeon, that we are attentive, that we are prayerful, that we are waiting expectantly. We have those seasons in our lives that that happens. And thank God we have those moments. But then uh, for most of us, we don't wait that well. And there's a lot of, we're, we're kind of like stock market Christians, you know, where we, yeah, we're up and then we're down and then we're up and then we're down. And, and yet, even in the midst of our lack of faithfulness to wait, God is faithful to come. This is the good news. The good news, uh, Simeon is inserted in this story because it's almost as if God is saying, there's a gift in waiting well. And that gift is you get to see God's uh, very presence in your life. It's not that God only comes because we're faithful. Uh, but because we're faithful, we get to see God's coming. And that's the invitation of this Advent season. That God says, I want you to see me. I'm here. I want you to see me. Therefore, let's wait like Simeon. And, and also, let's say, when we don't wait like Simeon, by God's grace, God comes anyway. Amen. What good news. And so I love what uh, Pastor Sharon said, that the Holy Spirit is the primary actor in this entire story. The Spirit of God is the one who is active. And right now, the Spirit of God is active in your life right now. You, not, you might not be able to see it on your job, in your home, when you visit family. Some of you have family coming over. Some of you are going to be going to see family. And it's often very hard to see the Holy Spirit with your family. Uh, amen. And, um, and so you're going to need an extra dose of Simeon's anointing to see God present with your family. And yet, isn't that the story of Christmas? Yes. To see God in, in the most difficult ordinary circumstances and so we want to open ourselves up to the holy spirit and so we have our prayer team here for whatever needs you have maybe you came in you cannot trace god you cannot see god and we want to pray for you that god will give you ears to hear his voice eyes to see his presence a heart to receive all the gifts that he has for you and then to my right we have a rick and pam here who will offer the bread and the cup to us Reminding us of God's faithfulness in Jesus Christ. As we worship today, and we were singing some of the old Christmas songs, I was seated right, seated right here just looking at the cross and being reminded that this baby who would come uh, would die on a cross. And I was just holding that before God. This baby, and we saw these small children on the stage here. This child who would come would not remain a child forever. This child would grow and would take on the sin of the world. And as I just sat with that, I was just moved in my spirit. When we take communion, when we take the bread and the cup, we are reminded that this child Jesus grows to become this man Jesus who takes on our sin for the salvation and redemption and consolation of this world. And so when you come and you take that, we are reminded of God's faithfulness in Christ. And so whether you need to come for prayer, whether you come for the bread and the cup, as God leads you, um, please respond. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're watching online, we end every gathering like this. This is a sign of receiving blessing. And it is only out of receiving that we can give to the world. And so with your hands in your hearts, in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace.
And may you walk out of this building like Simeon in the power of the Holy Spirit, being attentive to God in the ordinary situations of life. And may you see God's presence in your life and God's presence in this world and God's presence in the midst of this Christmas and holiday season. And may you take in the ways that God is present. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the very present name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.